Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Oh, tonight should be fun. Hi, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie, and we are The Blended Life. Hey, everyone. What's tonight's topic? So tonight we're going to talk about managing stress. <laughs> Who's got that? <laughs> no. And then conflict resolution and what that looks like in a blended family. But I'm sure everyone can relate to both. Yeah. A stre- blended family or not. Yeah, stress is one of those things I feel like adulting. Every <laughs> Everyone who adults has stress, right? Yeah, I take it back. I don't want to be an adult anymore. Yeah. Nobody why, told me. That's why I stayed 12 Truly. years old. Yeah. Like Peter Pan and Peter Pants. Really fun. Okay. Okay. So. So stress. Yeah. I think that blended families just have a greater opportunity for conflict and for stress. Because you have so many people doing so many different things. Right. You know, and you already have this natural divide in your family. Yeah. And so that's stressful. It's stressful not to be on the same page as your spouse. It's stressful to worry about kids and not get the information that you are, you're supposed to care. Yeah. And then you got work piled on but top of it. But you can't care. And then you have work and then you have your own kids to tend to. Right. And you're dealing with all the exes and... There's just a lot to manage, and it's stressful. And then there's you, <laughs> who takes what? on... Oh, <laughs> I thought you were, gonna, I thought you were blaming I me mean, for stress. Oh, yes. Yes? For sure. Yes But I stress. stress you out, too. We stretch, we stress each other That's out. That's part of life. But, I'm, but when I say it's you, like, you take on more than you should. But I follow through with all of it. And destroy everyone in the process. I do not. Do I destroy everyone? I feel like I try to help everyone in the process. So something that I have come to realize, because I've been super stressed out at work lately, mm-hmm. and I know I wear my heart on my sleeve, so I'm a very transparently emotional individual. It's how I'm built. But what I what I know and I hate about myself is I don't I don't mind feeling... But I know that my feelings get absorbed into the family. Yeah, so because you project you them. You project them and you, you radiate out. So right. I, would, I would toss that, volley that ball right onto you, Eric. Oh, thanks. You know, when you're stressed out, yeah. you know, the family feels it. Yeah. You're more short-tempered. Things <sighs> bug you. My life. Yeah. yeah. But it does. So I think people don't understand that stress affects the family. Mm-hmm. I think people are super... 
not selfish, but I think when we think of stress, right, it's all about us. It's all about how stressed out I am and everyone cater to me because I'm stressed out and I need relief and my job and my priorities. And, you know, it, it gets so about us that we lose sight of how our stress affects the family. Yeah. And not only does it affect, you know, like you said, the family, but your spouse, but I think the children really get affected by it. I know when I'm stressed out, um, probably the person affected most is my son because I'm, I'm around him quite often. And I feel that, um, I, I don't, I don't extend the grace when I should, when I'm, when I'm stressed out about something and I find myself stopping and apologizing to him about something, you know, quite often because it's just like, I'm very, you know, quick to be just upset about something. And right. he's usually the one right there with me, you know, on, in our day-to-day thing mm-hmm. when something's going on. And, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, there's normally your your spouse, you know, you or I, we come home, we bring this stuff home with us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're just bummed out. And it's like, why? This should, this should be our happy place. It should. But what's interesting about our relationship is, like, we're never both just content. Like, when you're stressed out, I could either be stressed out or content, but when I'm stressed out, either you're stressed out or content, but we're never both (laughs) on the same page of just being like content. So what ends up happening is we're existing in our family, in our marriage, in just a stressed out environment. Like that is the, that is the environment our marriage exists in and our blended family exists in and it's very selfish. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I really, I don't know how, I mean, because let's talk about things to, I mean, how do you, so then how do you change that, right? If I, that's the problem, what do you do about it? So one, uh, one of our new things, we're going to become lake people. I think, and I, and I think about this when we go up to the lake, it takes a lot. I mean, there's a little bit of stress planning for it, which, you know, I think just the first time or two. But it's gotten easier and it's gotten it's gotten to be fun. But when we're up there and we're cruising around, you don't see much stress on anyone. On on myself, on you, but on any of the kids. Everyone's just kind of enjoying themselves. And that's what I love about that is that we've found something, you know, it's still we're it's still pretty new, but we found something that everyone in the family kind of just relaxes a little bit. We don't take too seriously. Everyone kind of has just a good time. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but if if we keep it at home, what's the plan there? Yeah. Well, I think you can make any situation into a stressful situation too. Oh, totally. So it is. It's like even the lake when we go up there, it's planning. You know, it's well, you packing. S- I you stress s- about that because I'm. You know, who else is going to do that? But you also stress about getting there <laughs> because of the windy roads and you get car sick. Yeah, like and I asked, it's a it's a thing, and then it's you know, so we all a, have different schedules. Yeah, you know, so where me and my kids have to be up early on a Monday, you my and your and son, yeah, you and your son do not have to, yeah. you know. So then it's like trying to be, are we okay leaving all at the same time? Yeah. Do we want to leave at different times? There just seems to be so much to consider. Right. So even like vacations are stressful, though. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. But it's all. But what I found out to be one thing that's kind of helped mediate that a little bit is just be as flexible as I can to, you know, this last time we went up there, you know, I had to sacrifice some sleep, you know, only going up there on three or four hours. But it allows us to all leave at the same time, take the same vehicle, right? So if you can find ways to flex and bend a little bit in your blended family to make it, or even just a regular family, to make it um, more convenient for everyone. Yeah. I found that's kind of the less selfish way to go and just been like, okay, well, I'm going to take this one for the team, you know? Yeah. So what do you do to manage stress? In your own life. Like, how do you... Personally? Yeah. Um, hockey's my biggest stress reliever, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you, so you don't have, like, when you were working the outages and you were working, you know, six nights a week mm-hmm. and you didn't have that outlet, mm-hmm. what did you do when you were, or did you just deteriorate? No, there's not a lot of it, but I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel when I'm doing something like that. Um, but exercise... And um, food choices, totally you know, diet's so important. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not like some gnarly like eat healthy all the time. Like we're planning on eating pizza after this. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, welcome to our blended family. We have so much going on even after this that you go to dance. Son and I are going over to the church, and we're working on our fun house for our fall fest, and. I'm like, hey, what do you want to do for dinner? He's like, I don't know. Typical teenager. How about pizza? All right. So we're going to just order pizza there. And that way we're not losing time. And you're not a big pizza lover. So you can eat rabbit food when you get home. Okay. So diet and exercise yeah. are your stress go-tos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, hey, I need to go hit the gym for two hours. You know, me, I'm not a gym person at all. You know, I'm, it's it's about getting out and exercising, um, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, you know, doing stuff like that, walking at a faster pace, you know, just just simple things. Yeah. Well, and what I think, I think self-care is a huge, important factor to relieving stress, all the things you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a blended family, you know, there's a lot of, if you're all trying to do the same thing, that's right. also very stressful. Because it's a lot of pressure to put on people who are naturally into two different places. So I think something that to consider is like you need to divide and conquer in your blended family. I'm going to say that and then I'm going to put a little caveat to that. You can divide and conquer, but be careful because that really can lead to two like parallel lives that you're living under the same roof. So then it becomes like... We're roommates with benefits, living parallel lives versus, you know, trying to do this thing together. And when you're a blended family, I mean, the goal is to try to bond, to try to blend and all that. But I think that something that is really helpful for blended families is to divide and conquer. Yeah. You know, it is, it is, you do this, I do this, because there's so much to do in a day that it shouldn't all be on one person right but not but not always either you know divide and conquer yes you can cover more ground but also we have to remember that we are a family so doing things together is so important you know even as far as going back to the lake thing riding up together as a family 
to me, something like that's, that's important. important to you. And to me, it's not. I know. Like, you could care less. Yeah. You're like, all right. Because. The kids with the, yeah. Yeah. So. It's just interesting. We have very different points of view on a lot. Right. But we want to be a blended family. We are a blended family. Now, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, I feel at some point, like, we have to act like we're a family. We have to do things together. But being at the force. lake is doing stuff together. Yeah. But if we're divided at the lake. It's we not. aren't divided at the lake. Sometimes we are. Sometimes okay. we are. Yeah. Well, both our parents have houses up there. So sometimes people spend time at one house and other people are at another house and we're just divided, you know? Yeah. And really, like, I mean, that that's being divided. You know, we get there different ways. You know, whether we take two cars or some people ride you know, with other people, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's not going there. That's not making a memory as a whole with our family. Right. We're there part of the time, but we also have back and forth. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. I think that that's, that's a tough, that's a tough, that's tough. It's tough. It is because I think that both great, like it's, you know, it's, it's hard with the grandparents too. And this is a stress, this stress, this is stressful. Yeah. You know, the lake is stressful. We're just going to go with this example because we're talking about it. Okay. It's stressful when you have both sets of grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, and my kids are more comfortable and would rather hang out with their natural grandparents and mm-hmm. your children are more comfortable and would hang out, would want to hang out with their natural grandparents. And for my kids, they don't see their grandparents as much anymore now that you know, they spend 50% of their time only here. So same here. And I'm, I'm not about to rob any of the kids of that. Right. I think that's fine. I think let them have their relationships Mm -hmm. and let them, let them be in, in be there. Right. With, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't either. But I think, you know, at some point in time we have to be like, Hey, you know, whether it's my son or it's your son or one of the daughters, whatever, we have to be like, hey, we're all going to stay here. We're all going to do something. Or, hey, we're all going over here. We're all going to go do something. And that's kind of how that's kind of how we had to mitigate it. So, no, you asked you asked your son where he wanted to stay. You did not tell him this is what we're doing. You gave him the option. And he decided together. Yeah. Okay. You asked him multiple times. So it's it's fine for you to say that. But mm. I, I think that when you're in that situation, even you, which is fine. I don't, I, I am not the one with the problem with this. But, you know, even you are always like, you know, to your son, what do you want? What do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to stay? I'm going here. You decide what you want to do. And that is how you deal with right. but your we kids had, a lot. Yeah, but we had a preliminary discussion about that up front. Yeah, that but I the day before. Right. I okay. But you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. But I also see you getting very defensive about this too. I'm not. I'm just saying what you're saying and what happened are two different things. What do you mean? Like you're saying that you need to tell them how it's going to be, but you don't do that. You uh, yeah, but it's in different situations. Like you need to tell them every so often. It doesn't always have to be like that. Like you just got done saying. It's okay for the kids to go spend time with the grandparents, right? Yeah. It totally is. And I agree 100%. Right. And the like same you thing. would never take your relationship with your 
kid, you know, you would never tell your children that they couldn't go hang out with. No. Right. Like, no, but sometimes like, it's like, Hey, you know, we're going to go do something all together now. Mm -hmm. We're all going to spend time together now. Yeah. And that's okay to do. It is. Yeah. But yes, but I think so. But again, that's like also stressful trying to not like not have a plan. Mm -hmm. So I would tell people to like have a plan that helps, you know, have discussions with the adults before you do things, have clear expectations that helps a lot of minimizing stress. You know, you might have to have a hard conversation up front, mm-hmm. but better that than an awkward situation in front of everyone and with each other. And it just adds just stress in, in a the fight moment. An yeah, exactly. You know, and that's unnecessary. Another yeah. thing is in your blended family to have clear roles, you know, and that's something that you do premarital counseling, maybe if you choose to do that but I mean have clear roles understand that everyone's going to not everyone's not going to be doing the same thing right so everyone needs to understand that they are going to have specific roles in the family and have those discussions because it's very stressful when you feel like stuff isn't getting done that should be getting done and who's going to do it right and I think that happens a lot in a blended family yeah because there's in any family but You know, so that's another thing, like, I don't know, get a hobby. You know, hobbies are excellent way to, when you're stressed out, to put your focus elsewhere, whatever that is. What were you going to say? One of our viewers asked if none of the kids have anything in common and they don't get along (laughs) and there's just a big divide to begin with. There is. I mean, our kids are all so different. Our kids don't share common interests with one another. Which, But our kids do all get along. So that's what we have that going for us where our kids actually get along with one another. And that's awesome. Yeah. However, none of them share a true common interest. Nope. They don't share rooms. They don't share common interests. And I think they get along in our family because they are so divided. They don't really have to. They're not on top of each other. Right. They don't have to interact a lot. There's big age differences. You know, you've got a high school in our home. We have a high schooler, a junior high schooler, and an elementary schooler. So they're in very different stages of their life as well. And so I think there's a lot that goes into why they get along fine. Um, So what if they don't, though? What do we do? I th- personally, uh-huh. I think the best thing is is to allow them to have their space. You don't force them together all the time, but like we were just talking about, every so often, it is necessary to get them together. You know, at the dinner table, like we're all going to sit here, and we're all going to have dinner together because we are a family. You know, whether you guys don't get along or not, and then you know if they argue or. They trash talk each other, you know, whatever. They're a bunch of hockey players and they chirp each other. You know, basically that doesn't come to the table. You guys don't allow that at the table. Everyone's going to get along. We're not going to argue. We're going to talk about, you know, how was your day? What did you learn about? Tell me something positive that you learned. You know, what's something new? Um, Set set everyone up for um, positive behavior. And that'll allow things just to get better. But if you sit down at the table and you start complaining about what happened at work or what happened at school, it's going to basically just put a negative cloud over the dinner table 
and everyone's just going to get grumpy and it's just going to continue to go, right? Yeah, I love that. I think that kids model behavior. So if you and your spouse are always arguing or, um, you know, annoyed with each other and always fighting or sarcastic or, you know, if you're not if you're not exuding love in your marriage and honor and respect, you can't expect the kids amongst themselves to do that. So it is super important, like you said, at the table or have a safe space where it's like, hey, we're, we're Switzerland. This table is Switzerland. We are out of, we're not going to talk about anything negative or that is hurtful. And we're just going to learn about each other. You know, ask questions. You know, get everyone on the same page um, because you can get bring people together by asking questions. They may all have different answers, but the topic is still the same for everyone. Yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. I love that answer. That was well, great. and it, you know, an example of that too that you can see um, from the outside looking in. Um, just stop right now and just think about where do I work? What's my work life like? What's my work environment like? And it seems like every workplace has that negative Nancy. And when they're around, there's just that negativity cloud just floating around, right? There's that one person that's never happy and yeah. always just drags everyone down with them. Yeah. You know, or someone walks into the room and they're just always happy and they're always a positive person. Yeah. And it always tends to bring the spirits back up. So that's the same thing with your household. You know, a house is a, is a lot like a workplace, you know, where you have the bosses like the parents and you have your your workers, which are like your children. And you know what I mean? And it all kind of follows the same role, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, if you walk into work and your your boss is always angry. Well, there's probably going to be a negative cloud constantly over work, you know, yeah. versus if you walk into work and, you know, they're always a happy person. Your boss is always happy. Then it's probably going to be a pretty good work environment. That's true. So. Well, and kind of to go along with that, another huge thing that relieves stress is good communication. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you hold something in, it will stress you out even more. Um, But that's tricky, too, because then you try to communicate. And if you're like me, I don't love to communicate when I don't get the response I want or need. You know, if I need something from someone and I'm going to put my walls down and be vulnerable because for me, I'm a horrible communicator. And if I'm going to, but seriously, like even sharing my feelings and being is being vulnerable to me. Yeah, it totally is. Um, and if, if I'm not going to get what I need in return or what I want, then I just don't, I just shut down. Like I don't even, yeah. Put her tiara on her head. Thank you. You're welcome. So I think that, but I think it's counterintuitive. I think it does more harm than good because getting it out, that in of itself is super important. So if you're not a big communicator, you know, journal, type on your computer, write a letter. Um, Therapy is a great way to relieve stress. It's not all about physical exercise and what you put into your body, but it is your mind too. You have to be right in your head to be able to deal with life. You know what's a crazy thing that I found out a long time ago? What's that? TV shows that you watch, movies that you watch, that will totally affect your mood and your day. So if you're consumed and you're wrapped up in this drama with some big booty schnooky in it and all it is is drama, 
there's a good chance that you're just going to carry drama around with you, you know, at least for a little while after the show's done. Yeah. Or even during the show, your kids come in the room and you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even know how to make fun of that voice. I was going <laughs> to say something funny, but I totally can't. Well, I think that's, yeah, I mean, what you, what you put into your head, mm-hmm. you know, what you're looking on, what you're looking at on social media. Absolutely. You know, the accounts you're following, um, the movies you're watching, the books you're reading, um, the people you're surrounding yourself with, your friendships. I mean, whatever you're filling your head with is feeding your mind and informing your feelings. And so, it all comes back to your house. Yeah, you bring it home. So it does matter. It does matter. People doesn't people don't think it matters what you watch. You know, if that were the case, you'd let your kids watch porn. Would you? If it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. or you know, you'd watch live killings. I don't know if that's a thing. It can be. I mean, there I went. How about German cake farting? So anyway, it does. It matters. Like he's still thinking about that and picturing it in his head and it's porn. So that's fun. It's Funny story. One time, years ago, like 2012. Dude, I don't even want to have this on our Blended Life channel. This is so funny. I walk into the room, and there's just a whole group of people sitting around watching this, and they're all cracking up, and that's what they're watching. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Yep, he talks about it regularly. How many years later? On the regular. On the It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Um, I guess, you know, good segue, another stress reliever, Mm -hmm. you know, have fun, right? Go do something fun. Can I press your bleep out button? No. (laughs) If you are going, like if you are in a tough spot in your marriage or with a kid or with one of your friends, um, go do something fun. Yeah. You know, cut through that negative energy. And a lot of people, their defenses will come down. And when stress is relieved, you know, you get that serotonin or whatever in your brain. And you're able to, it's a breakthrough to have fun and to be able to let the stress go. It helps. And you're also building memories and bonds too with that. So have fun. Yeah. I think we don't, I think as Americans especially, we're all about, work and being busy and you know we try to fit and I know we both do this we fit as much as we humanly possibly can into a day yeah and it you know it's something that we actually I was like we need to talk about that because well you know what we suffer from it yeah and a lot of it isn't is fitting as much as we can into the day for ourselves. A lot of it is fitting as much as we can into the day to help everyone else around us. And it doesn't help us. Yeah. You know, know, our marriage suffers. We're being so selfish (laughs) with ourselves, but we're being so kind and so giving to everyone else. Yeah. You know, where it's like, yeah, it's all right to say no to people Mm -hmm. and just step back and do nothing. Yeah. You know, something that was stressing me out. What's that? was I used to go to the gym at night. I used to love to go to the gym at like 5.30 right after work. But what that was doing was I wasn't home for the family, right? I wasn't there for my kids. I didn't see my husband. Like, I was just gone. So, and that was that was causing me stress because I felt it was wrong, you know? But I also was like, if I don't exercise, I'm going to be 300 pounds. Dang. He wouldn't love that. Schnooky. You wouldn't love it. So I'm also like, what do I do? Can I just be thin? No, I have to work at it. And so 
that constant stress of like feeling guilty for being away from you guys, but then also that responsibility for self care that I, I, I need. And so how I stopped that was I had to rethink how my schedule. So now I go to the gym five or six in the morning, you're asleep. My kids are normally asleep. Your kids are normally asleep. Everyone, yeah. so I go when it doesn't affect the family. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of and now I don't feel guilty anymore. Well, and it's a selfless thing on your part too. You're not being selfish going afterwards. Not that it was selfish to begin with, but you're like, how can I mitigate this and change my yeah. habits and make it work better for the family? So you sacrifice a little bit of sleep, or you go to bed earlier. You know, I'm exhausted. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but, like getting up but at you know 5 a.m. is never easy. But prior to this, we used to hang out till, you know, 1 or 2 in the morning sometimes, too. <laughs> now you're out by 10, you know? Yeah. So. But I'm home. I'm home when it matters. I'm, you know, right. I'm not. Because also what would end up happening is if I couldn't take my kids somewhere, then that would, responsibility would fall on someone else. And I don't necessarily think that's right. That's just my opinion. So I'm like, I need to See step up. See how she up. says someone else? This is something that we should talk about. Okay, is it stress or conflict resolution? It's kind of both. Oh, good. So you, I mean, just by that, you oh, say, good. if I can't take my kids somewhere, it's going to fall on someone else. Yeah. You don't You don't turn to me, your husband, and say, it's going to fall on you. Yeah. You always, I think something that puts a lot more stress on you than is actually needed. Mm-hmm. You don't. If you can get away with it any way, shape, or form, don't put any responsibilities on me. I have yes. to I have to tell you ten times, like, you know, your son has an appointment. Hey, I will take him. You're like, Are you sure I can find someone else? I could I will take him. I have nothing going. I will take him. And it has to be a like literally a ten minute conversation of back and forth. Yeah. So you're like, Okay, but if you can't, that's fine. But I really appreciate it. And you're always very appreciative. Yeah. But me being your husband, like lean on your spouse, you know, and I'm saying that to everyone, lean on your spouse. I'm not saying take advantage of them, but you are, we're a family, we're a team. So if I can't, if I can't carry that ball, I'm going to pass it off to you, hoping that you can, because you aren't carrying anything at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think that it's a lot harder in a blended family because they're your children, you know, they're my kids, they're your kids, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want to put that burden on someone else. But once we joined, you know, together as one in marriage, like that should be all right. That should be an expected thing. And like, hey, I'm not going to make it home today. My son, my daughter, they have an appointment, they have a practice, they have whatever it may be. I can't make it home. Would you mind picking up the slack and taking care of this for me? You know, and I feel like you're starting to get a little more comfortable with that with like, hey, I'm not sure what I'm going to make for dinner. Would you mind taking care of dinner tonight? Like that's one of those that are like starting to become easier. But when it comes to taking care of your biological kid and passing that baton on to someone else, that seems to be a struggle with us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't disagree. I agree with everything you said. Wow. Yeah. But I think that there's, I mean, the reason for that you know, is because there's things happening with both of our kids, all of our kids, both of our kids, we all have four. So with all of our kids that, you know, I don't have a say in what's going on with your kids. Right. You don't really have a say in what's going on with my kids. And so 
when you have that mental block there, will you decline that phone call for oh, me? Sorry. And you might have to anyway. Um, so when you, <laughs> when you have that mental block there, you know, it is, it's a mental block. It isn't a natural progression to be like, you're my teammate because you're not. Right. I'm not really your well, team. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's weird. Like in theory, yes. You know, but when you have no say, you have no power, you have to understand what creates, like there's consequences to being married in a blended family. There's consequences to having to parent 50-50 with someone other than your spouse for right. your kids. Right. But at, but at some point in time. It, it just, it is. Like, I, yes, like I could lean on you more. But you have to throw some of that out. You have to throw some of that care out. Or yes, there's consequences, but how big is the consequence? You know, is the other parent going to be mad that I took their kid to. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying like. Yeah. As long as, as long, you know. And I, I just think, think there's a mental block there, you know, like, yeah, but I, let's get over that, you know, Uh huh. I think all families should get over that. Yeah. You know, you are now a family and my kids, your kids, they are now our kids. But and that's I know not I've talked how about we've this done before. that. It's true. If we want to change it now, seven, eight years in. Yes. But we're, we're a year and a half into marriage. Like, yeah. Why can't we? Why yeah, can't I mean, we, we can change it more? now, but it just has never been that way on either side going forward. You know, you would rely on. Your mom to help out when you would never ask me? Uh, not necessarily. I'll Like, if you're like, hey, I'm going to, I have dance for my daughter, so I can't take, you know. Right. Well, I mean, yes. But there's been times where I've asked you to, you know, like, take for practice. But I have a lot more flexible schedule on, like, a day-to-day than most people do. Yeah. So I can usually handle that stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, where that's not the case with everyone, but... Anyways, rather than getting defensive, let's come up with a plan. Don't roll your eyes at me. Okay, so I did some research on conflict resolution, everyone. You're so excited right now if you're watching this. Because this is something that I genuinely have zero idea. Because I always feel in conflict, right? There's a winner and a loser. I'm very black and white. Why are you laughing at me? (laughs) Because I already know the roles. (laughs) Just kidding. Keep going. Jeez. Here, you read my notes. I can't read that. So I feel I wrote a list for like, you know, I was looking online about conflict resolution and reading and things like that because obviously I'm not an expert and I shouldn't be giving advice on that. But other people are experts and actually do this for a living, come to find out. Did you look this up on the Google? Maybe. Well, anyway, so I found a website about mediation and I felt like that was very appropriate for like co-parenting Yeah, because I know in blended families, there's a lot of conflict when you're trying to co-parent and you're trying to work things out. So step one in mediation, in case you've never been to mediation, have you been to mediation or just court? Mediation as well. You went to both? Yeah, it's garbage. Um, I totally agree. <laughs> my my, my yeah. reason for it being garbage is if you come in there and you don't want to agree to anything, 
Nothing will get done. Nothing gets done. Totally. So you both have on, to agree. Uh, yeah, exactly. So on it's either side. Yeah. So one person can just be a pain in the you know no, what. No, I disagree. I disagree. Uh-huh. No. And that's pretty much. Yeah. And you're always trying to go into this or usually trying to go into this when things are fresh. Yeah. The wounds are all still open. You know, yeah. everyone's angry. And that's usually how it ends up. Totally. And, and it's coming in there and everyone wants to win. No one's thinking about the kids. Winners and losers is what I'm saying, people. <laughs> no one's thinking about the right. kids. And it's really like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And there's got to be some compromise there. Yes. So. So, I mean, if you're going to mediation, here's five steps or five things to consider when you're trying to work something out with the other biological parent and co-parenting. The first is to def- define the source of the conflict. Okay. So if somebody's having conflict with you, if you're, if you're trying if you're, if your ex is giving you pushback, you know, a good way to figure out the source of conflict is just to ask questions. Yeah. Okay. You know, because it's really hard to, if you can't define the problem, then there's no way you're going to solve it. Right. Right. And yeah, I think that. What are you trying to solve at that point? You need to figure out what needs to be you solved. You need to figure out what's going on. Right. Like truly, because people aren't just mean unless they're just truly a mean person. I know some mean people. But, you know, and I think also asking questions to the other party is also like, wow, they care. So I think it lowers their defenses a little bit if you're actually like questioning, like not like, why are you being an asshole? Oh, gosh, here we go. You know, not that kind of question, but like, why does this upset you so much? Here's another thing that I can add on to that. Okay. It's usually... 90 probably 99.9 percent of the time you've been with this person for a while so don't come into this mediation being someone else (laughs) don't come into this mediation being like i'm all of a sudden like some grad scholar that like knows law in and out they know that the other person can see through this right is this about defining the source of conflict i'm saying just in general if you're going to come in and ask questions Don't go find all these like crazy questions that try to get to the heart of something that may not even really be there. Like, you know, the other person, the other person knows you. So come in there, be yourself and just be an, you know, be honestly who you are. So ask questions with a genuine heart. Yeah. Not a. Thanks for summing that up for me. Yeah. So, and then the second thing is to look beyond the incident, like look beyond the situation and try to get to their point of view because that will also help you define the problem. Like you need to know because oftentimes it isn't the situation that's creating the conflict, like the actual situation. It is the point of view and so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So I think that you have to look beyond to, to be able to define the problem, to be able to see what's going on and where you need to go to solve it. You need to look beyond the little situation that happened or, you know, what, does that make sense? Yeah. And usually you're focusing on the kids at that point. So, or that's what it should be, what you're focusing on. Right. Or how we're going to deal with them. Right. All right. And then you need to request solutions. So, you know, it's a lot of like, a lot of winning someone over, even to your point of view. And it's not even, this is a winning to your point of view, but you're, you're trying to win them over to a resolve. Like, just to get on the same page. So then, you know, ask them, well, what is your solution? Because a lot of times people are just angry 
and they get mad and they want it fixed, but they have no solution. Right. Or they are so angry about something, they haven't even considered what they want. Like, I'm mad. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. They haven't even been like, this is what's going to make me feel better. Or this is what's going to make me feel okay about this. Right. And so I think posing that question when you're when you're escalating with an ex or a, a co-parent situation, you know, you need to also know what you're working with, right? It's the more information you have, the better. Right. So you need to ask them, what do you, what's your solution here? Like you need to know what they're, what you're working and reverse with. that, you know, also have, you know, you're asking for what, you know, what will fix that. But also if you are in that situation, come forward with something that will resolve. Yes. Have a, yes. Have a solution solution yourself. All right. And that's the, the, so so the fourth thing is to identify the solutions. Okay. Like everyone's solution. Like you need to make the other person feel heard. So even repeat what they're saying. So you can say something like, I hear you saying that this would be a great solution. Right. So they know you need to have a script. Let me tell you it psychology it matters you know you need to give back to them what they're putting out there again this will lower people's walls of defenses and make them feel hurt right even if you don't agree with it you need to reiterate and validate what they're saying i understand i need to reiterate and validate what you're saying exactly okay that's called three-way communication yeah and you know a lot of times it just those solutions lead to like greater collaboration and cooperation and lowers temperament. Yeah. You know, if they feel like they're being heard and you're and trying to cooperate the with person, them, that's yeah. right. You're not attacking I think that them. In, I think that helped, um, a lot in with, with my ex. I think that helped lower temperaments when we started listening to one another mm-hmm. and trying to, just ease the temperament and, you know, come come together with some solutions like, okay, well, you know, I can help with this or, you know, this is okay. And that's how we got to the point where we're real flexible on where the kids are at what time and, you know, no matter whose schedule it is. It's just because we are both giving and taking, you know, little by little and we're not being selfish about it. Yeah, that is what you've set up for your guys' self, like for each other. Right. Is just. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And then the fifth and final thing we know once you've moved through all those steps is to find like a negotiated agreement. Okay. So I think that means both parties have to give. And that's kind of what mediation is. It's, you know, you try to find a solution somewhere in the middle where, you know, a little give, a little take. um, And you guys kind of talk through that. You know, well, I hear you want this, but I, I really want this. Well, what can we do to make it so we both get what we want out of this situation? Mm -hmm. And if you're able to do that, then you both will walk away and no stress. Right. Like you have an agreement. It is what it is. And I always say, get it in writing, right? Even if you're doing this over email or a text, get something in writing because emotions get heightened and. In those times, people forget what they said. Well, you know what? Another I've forgotten thing is what too, I've said before, too. Don't make it a permanent thing. You know, you're, if your kids are, you know, three, four, five years old, don't be like, all right, this is set in stone. Be like, all right, well, let's revisit this in three years or something. 
Yeah. You know, because I know, for instance, you gave the example about the holiday schedule. Yeah. And that's kind of coming back to bite your ex in the butt a little bit. Fortunately, you're a pretty easygoing person, and I'm sure you guys will work something out if it becomes a bigger deal. Right. But for now, if you guys never visit that situation again, that's how it stands until the children are 18 and make their own decisions. Yeah. So. Or 14 and have a voice and then, you know. Anyway. Yeah. So we talked about the co-parenting thing. Now let's talk about interpersonal relationships such as a marriage. Mm. I don't even know what that means. You don't know? (laughs) That was such big words. Interpersonal relationships. relationships. Such as marriage. Do you know what marriage means? I'm, I'm listening and I'm validating you. Oh. That's why I reiterated it. Thank you. Can't even spell that word. So I think that when you're going in, well, I was kind of challenged a lot as I'm making this list. I'm like, oh, oh, I suck. Oh, I suck. Oh, ooh, yeah, not me. So, but I think they're really valid, amazing points. And so if you're taking notes, take notes because it's good information. So enter into a disagreement with your spouse with the, with the right attitude. Yeah. What do you think the right attitude you, is? I couldn't even tell you. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. So if the attitude part, the attitude part gets me because all of a sudden I'm like, I'm you have angry a horrible about something. attitude. <laughs> I'm angry I about something. And I'm attitude. like, yeah. And two horrible attitudes don't make a good attitude. Right. And another, well, we'll get to that. But like, and so really, if you're going to sit down and have a conversation about conf- something you guys are conflicting in, you know, conflicted about, you know, try to enter it with a positive attitude. Or not even a positive attitude, but with an attitude that it's not detrimental, right? Conflict does not have to be detrimental. Oh, it doesn't at it all. It doesn't have to end things. But it, our brains are so led to make it feel like it is now, especially in the society yeah. we live in. You yeah. know, everything has to be detrimental. There has to be a major outcome. There has to be a major breakthrough. Right. And as much as I love your Hallmark movies... That's the silver lining of them. There's always some major breakthrough. And that's just how stories are told these days. That's what captures people and brings them in. It's like they deal with all this conflict, you know, some conflict resolution. And then there's some big opening of the sky and light shines in and all the party planners fall in love with. Or, you know, it ends things and then people get divorced. I think people. (laughs) Well, I mean, seriously, like not even I'm not talking about our marriage, but I'm talking about marriages in general. When there's because I don't think anyone's married 50 years without having a huge conflict or a few or few yeah and they don't even all have to be big you know I know my parents have gone through conflicts nothing major yeah um but they work through them you know and that's like you're saying it's the communication and it's the conflict resolution and it's not one person getting their way and you know it takes a lot of just bending and um, grace. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, so when you come at it with an, with the right attitude, I think that just means you come at it knowing that it's not going to end things. You need to come at conflict with confidence that your marriage is going to continue through it. Yeah. You know, and that you're not, your spouse is not the enemy. Because I think that that's a huge thing. Like, we treat each other when we're in conflict like we're the enemy. Instead of treating each other 
like a teammate or like a spouse or like my or lover. Or someone you love and care about. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. don't treat each other like that yeah. equally. We treat each other like the enemy. And I don't think that is the right perspective or outlook or attitude to have coming into a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think all you need to do is have a mental check beforehand. I think you, because I, you know, your brain's a powerful full thing. You can talk yourself into or out of anything. You can talk yourself off a ledge. Yeah, you know what? And something you it's normally something you have something to be you aware say of. often too that is a really good just rule to follow is don't open doors you're not willing to walk through. Don't threaten divorce, people. That's what I, yeah, that yeah. and that's and that's a big thing. So don't threaten divorce because then all of a sudden that's putting well that puts that in your marriage that puts it in your thoughts and in your mind but that also puts doubt in your partner's mind well don't threaten you're gonna just run away never to be found again yeah don't do that yeah don't act like people are your employees of your company yeah when you come home so anyway um and then also know that you're developing perseverance so that's also when that's you're what in they conflict. made deodorant for, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like everyone's natural response when they, and I know for both of us it is, our natural response to conflict in our marriage is to cut bait and run or right. just quit, check out. But I think that especially God, right? God tells us that we're in relationships to sharpen each other. We are to learn and to grow and to build character. From each other. You're sharp. And so I think that if you go to conflict knowing that, go into conflict with someone you love, knowing Mm -hmm. that you're supposed to grow from this and it's sharpening you into a better human. Right. And you have that perspective. You know, I think you're more open to hearing what needs to be said. Yeah. Because it's only going to make you better. It's going to make your spouse better. It's only going to make your marriage better. this is stuff that you need to train yourself on. You, You and your spouse both need to train your mind make to a list that you can both read. I will give it. I'll make you a copy. Will you type it? In yes. Bold, in bold letters, please. Maybe, maybe I'll put this on um, our website. That'd be awesome. So the third thing, because I know we got to go here soon, is you want to sow good seeds. So the negative seed of withdrawing, which I do. I'm the queen of withdrawing, and you do too. Like you will just leave. You're out. Yeah, but like not so like listen for a long to this, time. Though. I have to, I have to process my boxes. The negative seed of withdrawing cannot produce the positive fruit of intimacy. That I'm is not totally for intimacy a, at those times. <laughs> you grow in the trenches, right? So, but that's like a, so. I'm going to read that again because this is a quote, and I will I will have to cite this the source later. But it, the negative seed of withdrawing cannot produce the positive fruit of intimacy. I think that is so genius because what happens is you are making an enemy out of your spouse. Yeah, it's very wise. You are making an enemy out of your spouse. And if you're yelling, if you're hurting the other person, you are going if to produce ta- yeah, negative. down to them, if you're name calling, you know, yeah. there's all of that. Your tone, you know, the words that you're saying, how you're saying them, um, you know, if you're, if you're coming at it in a hurtful or destructive way that you're going to reap what you sow. You're not going to have a positive outcome of a conflict. Yeah. You know what's another big, big, big thing is if you have an issue going on, not even with your spouse, you know, it, it could be anyone in the family, it can be anyone outside of the family. 
don't overread into the situation. If you've got an issue going on with someone, just approach them and talk about it. Or if it's not worth approaching and talking about it, let it go. Because I've seen this build up and build up and build up. And all of a sudden, you start speculating and overanalyzing. And, yeah, you know, you build up this big old thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, that wasn't even a big deal. That's yeah. not that's not what I meant or totally. But I think that and I know we've run into this problem too. God. I'm just being so open about our marriage, but whatever. It'll help us. It'll help others. Um, I think our biggest problem is being willing to sit down with somebody who's willing to talk to you. Yeah. There's a lot of times you don't want to talk to me. You're not ready to talk. No, I don't but that's talk. the times where I, yeah, I need and to, for vice I need versa, to walk there's time of me. That's like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. I'm <laughs> mad at you, you know? And, and it, what happens though, is I feel like I never used to be that way until I saw you model that. And then I'm like, and then I start modeling that too. And I just think that it's like two negatives don't make a right. Like, I don't think that is, I don't think how I handle things is right. So there's a winner and there's a loser. No, I'm just saying it's, it's something that, you know, the more time like, okay, so I'm going to, st- I'm going to jump. Okay. A couple of steps. But to, to lead into that, it says, you know, immediately seek resolution. Because and have that, if you're in conflict with your spouse, you want to immediately seek resolution. And the reason for that is you will give a foothold to bad things happening to and your marriage just if you get, don't. And it'll just get deeper and it'll drag on and on and on until that is resolved. Well, it makes it worse. The longer you let something go on, the worse it gets. And... I have seen it in friends, and I don't know if you can speak from experience. You love that TV show. <laughs> I do. But, like, when you have a distance and an unresolved issue, and it can be pretty big in marriages, right? You know, you, that's kind of when, like, you have a foothold for something to come in that could really damage your marriage. Like, you know, a spouse could reach out to, talk to somebody they shouldn't because they just want to be heard for instance right okay you know if you need to feel better some spouses cheat in this time right they feel so unloved they feel like their spouse isn't even willing to sit down and talk to them and work through this they're just being ignored and we have such a as humans we have such a a need to feel loved and cared for and when you're not getting that from your spouse after a certain amount of time a lot of people, and I've seen it, seek out, seek it out yeah. elsewhere. Whether it's Which inappropriate friendships, up, right? Which that's just going to open up such a bigger can of worms. It makes it right. It's destructive. It's yeah, it's so destructive, so detrimental, and it's just going to cause such major problems that right. most people don't think into that far. Though they're like, "What's a?" They're s- just about them. They're so angry. Well, I can't what's, talk to you. And what's a quick fix? Right. You know, it's like alcohol. You know. Alcohol is probably a safer bet at that point. Or like, do you want your spouse to have to be medicated because you won't talk to them? I mean, there's just, there's a whole rabbit hole you could go down to. And so I think you and your spouse have to have an agreement that you are going to seek immediate resolution because the consequences of not, like you not wanting to is completely selfish. Yeah, well, you know what? It isn't loving for your marriage. And, you know, you not wanting to... Oh, I totally had a great thought, but I you know can't what? remember. But it right really, now. it all comes back down to you. Like you have to be the one willing to do it and yeah. put the effort. And that's the hardest part. And I know I struggle with that. 
I know you struggle with that, but you actually you're probably better with that than I am just coming to but doesn't mean that you have to be right or wrong. Doesn't mean that there has to be a winner or a loser. Yeah. You know, if you can just start the conversation, you know, yeah. and you know, something we've learned, you know, not necessarily sitting down and saying, "Look, I'm sorry." I mean, that's an that's an okay thing too. But follow that up with, will you please forgive me? Which we don't do, which we should do. Yeah, because we have nothing to forgive each other That's about. That's not true. I don't know. There's a, will that you that please forgive true. me for That's this a, it's, a gr- it's great advice, <laughs> but it's, you know... We, we have a lot of growing to do, everyone, both of us. I thought that's what the 5 a.m. gym was for. Uh, so anyway, going along with that is, you know, talk to your spouse first mm-hmm. before others. Right. And it's hard. I'm going to say this because of previous comments we've just made. It's hard when your spouse won't talk to you because they're mad and they're doing this to you. Like, no, they're minimizing you. Like, go away. I don't want you. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm mad at you. And that doesn't always feel good. And so sometimes you just need to get it out. But what that does, it's kind of disrespectful to your spouse. You know. So give them space and for a little while. And you're only giving like, one side of the story, well, not, too, you know, which isn't fair to your to anyone, right? You're giving your side of the story, but can you not take, both sides. Can you be like, all right, let's calm down. Let's cool down. Let's Let's come back to this in a little while. You know, let's come back to this in an hour. I think everyone's comfort levels are different. Okay. I think some people can do that. Some people can't. I don't think there's across the board like. I agree. You know, I think we're all built very differently, but I also think you have to respect your spouse. So if your spouse needs space or your spouse needs resolution, and if you guys are on the different pages about that, that's that that's really hard. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's a compromise situation where you're like, this is how we're going to handle conflict. And you make a list and you're like, five minutes. You got five minutes. I need to do this. And you need to love your spouse enough to do that. Yeah. You know, you need to love your, you need to love the health of your marriage and you need to love your and marriage more than be, your anger. And be confident enough in yourself to be able to do that. Yeah. So. And then also, um, I read that you need to seek wise counselors. Because when you have something really big, you need accountability. And it is kind of like going to the gym. If you're trying to lose 50 pounds and you don't have people you're accountable to and you're just trying to do it all on your own, then it's, you know, more than you're setting yourself up to fail. We weren't made to do life alone. You know, so you need to, you and it's, it's healthy to have great relationships, great friendships, you know, mentors as in, you know, in your marriage, have people you can talk to and open up to. And I think that only helps, but trusted people, right? You're not going around, you know, just airing your dirty laundry on a podcast or anything like that. That's bad for your marriage. Um, (laughs) And the last thing, what we're going to close with in this conflict resolution segment is you need to be willing to sacrifice. You know, what? Like a little baby lamb? Yeah, I mean. Yeah? If you need to, if that's what your spouse needs. <laughs> okay. That's weird. Right? No, but I mean, I feel like if, you, if you're giving 100%, right? Marriage isn't 50-50. Right. It's 100%, 100%. Yeah. If you're truly giving 100% to your spouse, then they will feel cared for. 
if you you know what I mean, it's it's you're both filling each other's cups. Yeah, and it's such a hard thing to do if you're giving a hundred percent and you're not getting a hundred percent. Yeah. So make sure that you can give a hundred percent. And you need to seek out your spouse. You need to seek your spouse's betterment more than your own. And if you both are seeking out your spouse's betterment more than your own, you're both. It should be great. Yeah, you're both being fulfilled. Right. But it only works when both people are willing to do that. You can't have a one-sided marriage. Yeah. So anyway, that's conflict resolution. I'm learning. Before we close, I did something special for you, for your peoples. Sorry, I can't hear it. Yeah, thanks. Oh, so it is our dear friend. Well, my dear friend. He's going to love her when he meets her. I haven't met her. <laughs> Brooke, happy birthday, girl. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, we're so glad that you're part of our Blended Life crew. We're going to get Blended Life crew shirts, but happy birthday, girl. Happy birthday. And I haven't made a game in a long time, so a good game Okay. Is What's this the birthday song from? Any kids, any blended families with kids know what this is. Is this Fortnite? Yeah. Okay, I only know, I don't know that. I'm just like, it's the only thing he loves is Fortnite. I don't love Fortnite. It makes me angry. We need to have conflict resolution with Fortnite. Okay. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, everyone. Happy birthday to Brooke. Happy birthday, Brooke. I hope you're doing something fun and not watching this. Yeah, that's probably (laughs) why she's not watching. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys like this, comment, give us some ideas. Let us know how you guys conflict resolve. Resolute. Resolute. Is that even a real word? Yeah, and let me know if you guys even want me to type this stuff down, like up and put it on our website. I don't know if it's useful or not. So feedback is great. And if you guys have any other questions, shoot us emails or messages or however you can get a hold of us on any of the social media. Do it. That'd be awesome. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. Becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.